Good morning. I'm Jeff Freimeyer, and I'm the uh, I'm the professor of preaching and worship and dean of the chapel in Florida at Orlando. And I wanted to come to you today at chapel and have a discussion because I think it's important that we have these kinds of discussions when it relates to ministry in particular. And so I have three ministers that I've asked to come on and help me uh, do that today. They're all in different states, um, and they're all related to me. These are my three sons. And so I thought I'd uh, impose upon them to spend a few minutes together and talk about the issue of ministry. So let's do some introductions. First of all, Doug, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, I'm, I'm Doug Walter. I am uh, serving at uh, First Church of God in Talmadge, Ohio, and um, I've been here 28 years, and I'm currently serving as the student pastor and, and general associate of other duties. All right, thanks, Doug. Uh, Joel, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm, I'm Joel Freimeyer, and uh, I serve at the, in Highland, Illinois, at Mosaic Church, and I'm the, uh, I guess, associate <laughs> would be my, my title right now. So that's what I'm doing. And Jonathan? I am the uh, English pastor at Altar in Tampa, Florida, uh, which is a uh, bilingual uh, congregation. We offer two services, one in Spanish, one in English, and I pastor the English service. I'm very proud of my son, so it's exciting to be able to do this. We were actually together at uh, Easter and had a chance to just enjoy our families together, and this is just another special experience that we're able to have. So my focus today is to talk about ministry in a pandemic. Uh, you know, the old adage is that uh, students graduate from seminary and then somewhere along in their ministry, they all claim that uh, seminary didn't prepare me for this. So let me guarantee you that no seminary anywhere prepared anybody for ministry in a pandemic. There's no class. <laughs> There's no class that was ever offered, and this was just not anticipated. But there is a kind of leadership uh, that you have to have when you're in not just a pandemic, but when you're in these kinds of experiences. It's called adaptive leadership. Uh, you operate out of research. You operate out of things that you know, things that you've tried and true. All of us do that in ministry. Uh, we do the things that we know to do because we've been taught them, because we've experienced them, because we've done them before, and now we know how to do them again. Well, there come those experiences, and certainly this is one, where you have to have adaptive leadership. You have to do things that, frankly, you haven't done before or you haven't done in the way in which they're being done. And so everybody, any minister that's on staff, any any primary leader in a congregation today is dealing with adaptive leadership. How do we take the things we've normally done and try and do them in a different way? None of us conceived of the idea that we would do an Easter service with an empty sanctuary. That, that's not something two months ago we would have thought about, or maybe six weeks ago we would have thought about, and certainly not long time ago. So what we're going to talk about is how we've adapted to the situation, how we've adapted to where it is that we are and to what's uh, going on. So I'm going to throw this open to the three of you and start with this question. What is the most challenging thing 
that you've had to deal with in ministry now that we're in this pandemic? What's been the most challenging thing for you? Um, for for me, I think it's 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 that personal connection uh, with the people in the congregation and my student ministry, and uh, even before you know you couldn't be together, uh, you could have small groups, even just wearing face masks. Uh, uh, it, it just don't get just just, uh, just being able to connect in in ways that you know is through technology. Uh, that, you know, I kind of have not been fully on board with, but I've, I've had to jump on board uh, with all of that, you know, trying to tell students to disconnect, and now I'm telling them to connect uh, is, has been a, a challenge. Uh, and that's been across the board for all of our staff, of how do we connect with the people in the congregation. What's been the most challenging thing for either one of you guys? Uh. I think one of the things that we we struggled with, especially at the beginning, was, I mean, Illinois was one of the first states to just jump all in on like no more no more meetings. We 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 dropped down really fast, and so uh, it was just getting our heads around like how do we make this service on a Sunday morning still feel like something they're familiar. How do we make sure they are interacting with it, connecting with it that um, that we are able to put this out in a in a proper way, in a uh, in an engaging way, um, and in a way that kind of gives them some like, okay, this is going to be all right. We're we're still going to have service. It's still going to be the the way. There's still going to be pieces that we know and understand. So I think that was one of the things that we, at least at first, were just trying to get our hands heads around. Jonathan, what what about you? What have been been the most challenging thing you've had to deal with? Well, I, th I think I've had two major challenges. Um, our, my congregation is um, devoid of Gen X. I have, I have boomers and silence, and I have millennials, but I have no Gen X. Um, that age between about 40 to 60 is just empty. And those in most churches, those are your most um, competent, uh, capable people uh, that have both, both still have energy and have time. Uh, millennials have a lot of energy, but right now they don't have a lot of time. They're all starting vocations and starting families. Um, and boomers are getting to where they're retiring and older than that are in the 70s and 80s. And they have time, don't have a lot of energy. So trying to, who, who am I working with that isn't at home with, you know, young elementary school kids that are, they're now homeschooling while trying to work at home and who's still young enough that can use the technology and is familiar enough with the technology to still connect. Um, so that's been one challenge uh, because like Doug was saying, you can't meet in person. So you have to be able to do things like Zoom or FaceTime and all of that. So if you can't, if you've got people that aren't don't have the time to do that and the ones that do have the time don't know how to use the technology it's kind of dust in the wind at that point and the second challenge which is one I'm st I'm still don't know my way through yet is figuring out what to invest in now that prepares us for whatever the future holds 
I, I continue to, I continue to become more and more convinced that this is not a blip on the radar, but is a paradigm shift. And it's going to drastically change the way we move forward. Um, even once regulations are lifted, like this may change the way we live in this country and the way, way our economy works. And this, this could have, has the potential and the possibility to have some really far reaching drastic differences in the way our culture is. And I don't know how to think about that. Um, I think we should be thinking and talking about that. What start thinking about what does this look like when we're done and what are things that we can do now that don't just get dropped once, once this is over. There are a lot of things I think we'll do like spending as much effort into our live stream is good. Live streaming your service is good right now, but I don't think anybody foresees them becoming just an online only church once the restrictions are lifted. So what are some things we can, t how do, how do we see ourselves? I think the, the, thing I've been seeing around is that everybody's now starting it like should see themselves as a new startup. And so we have a real kind of opportunity to set everything back to zero and say, now who are we going to be? And if we know who we are, how do we be that going forward and may in a way that may have been different when we knew who we were and what that looked like, you know, two months ago. It's been interesting to me uh, to, and I've expressed this, I think, to each of you, but it's been interesting to me to note that there is a particular difference in terms of how churches are doing worship. Uh, and it seems to me that there are a whole group of, of churches, and I would say the majority of churches, where the idea is, or the mentality is, <clears throat> that we're going to do a worship service, and we're going to do it in our sanctuary, and we're going to invite you to come into our sanctuary virtually. Come into our sanctuary and we'll do worship for you and with you. And it seems to me that that's a mistaken concept. Because I, when I, and this is from somebody who's not doing worship. I'm, I don't have a pastorate at this point, so I'm not doing a Sunday service. So I'm the guy in the pajamas sitting on the couch watching all of you. And it seems to me that there's a marked difference between those who want to invite you into the sanctuary, which I know is empty, and those pastors and churches that seem to be inviting me, inviting themselves into my living room, that want to come and sit down in my living room with me and, and do some things. And those two, those two kinds of services, those two kinds of philosophies are like polar opposites almost. It affects everything in terms of how you set it up and what you do and what you say. But beyond that, to try and get at your point, Jonathan, beyond that, it seems to me that's a, that's a, a philosophical question, a pastoral philosophy question. And, and it's, it's one that we've been dealing with, poorly maybe, but we've been dealing with, the difference between you come to church and the church comes to you. And that's yeah. very different. Yeah. Um, I think that's, uh, that is kind of what you're saying. You're saying uh, what there, it's kind of like there's this divide happening where you've got this one group of, ch of, of churches that are doubling down on Sunday morning. 
So it's doubling down on, uh, all right, we're going to make the live stream and we're going to do worship just as good. And we're going to, oh, we're going to mass, we're going to like, we're going to, we're going to treat it as a, a production. And so we're, we're going to either, but we're still in, heavily invested in doubling down on what we do on Sunday morning. And then there's this other group, uh, the other half, uh, I don't know if it's actually 50, 50, but there's the other group that are, um, um, uh, not instead de de-emphasizing Sunday morning and instead emphasizing the ability to um, connect and do things. Um, sorry, my daughter has come out. Go back inside. And this is the new world, right? Welcome um, to COVID. Trying to trying to work, and all of a sudden your kids show up and. There's the other biggest, biggest challenge in ministry. There's the other biggest challenge, absolutely. So, um, so, yes. So, uh, so you got that other half that are are de-emphasizing Sunday. Not that it's not important. Not that Sunday morning worship isn't important, but that there are now opportunities to do things uh, during the rest of the week and other ways with people. And this is not going anywhere. So I'm going to turn it to somebody else. Let somebody else talk. Hey. reality there you go yeah so you know i've been thinking about this especially after like talking to you on other days about it um and you know we got a lot to i th i think to kind of grasp when we're, we're moving to these online platforms when we're moving to this and i think uh, like john was talking about that you know we're so often we're trying to recreate something that's a live experience that's a um, community experience and, and put it into a video format. And it doesn't always translate well to that. I mean, uh, nobody, nobody wants to go to a concert or watch a concert on TV. It's just, it's not the same experience. It's not the same thing. And, you know, we, we have this breadth of like, uh, of ability to see this when we, we look at concerts, when we look at musicians operating, when we look at, you know, what works is in terms of a TV format, what doesn't work as in terms of a TV format, you know? And when we go to these ideas of like, and nobody wants to go watch a concert on, on a little screen, but when uh, a musician chooses to do something unplugged or like more then it works this this intimacy thing which i think is is something that the church needs to try to at least as in terms of worship you know we can't do the big bombastic anymore it doesn't work the only thing we have left is to try to create intimacy and i think we can do that through a visual me video medium yeah yeah you know, like the old adage the the medium is the message so what gets communicated is in the way it gets communicated through this medium it has to, it does have to change um, yeah, yeah and, I, I know we we do our ours in the sanctuary, and I know we've abbreviated our worship, you know, uh, of things that just seem awkward to do, knowing that the sanctuary is empty. So uh, it's it's a lot briefer, um, but we also uh, when we first started it, people felt like okay, this is familiar, and they really appreciated seeing not the whole sanctuary, but this little tiny section of the sanctuary uh, and, and seeing familiar faces. And so we, we got a lot of, of positive feedback uh, from doing ours in the sanctuary, but it looked very different because of how we set up 
you know, a TV screen with notes so that you can see it all in one shot. Um, and just, yeah, it, it's just a different vibe to, to talk to an empty room. Yeah. Well, Doug, we made, we, you did something this weekend that I, I want to talk about for a few minutes because it's kind of the opposite of this. You, you managed to put together a live worship service that people attended. Uh, and I wanted to give you a couple of minutes to talk about your, your Easter service there in Talmadge. What happened? Um, yeah, it actually started uh, about maybe two, two and a half weeks ago. Uh, a gentleman in the church was like looking into some technology about, you know, just doing something in our parking lot and people would drive in. And, uh, and so uh, realized that, you know what, let's, let's try to make that bigger because our, you know, our, we don't have a humongous parking lot. And so uh, uh, Pastor Josh uh, started to reach out to, to other churches. We re reached out to a, a, a drive-in theater not far from here. And uh, they just, they had to do some of their checking. So they never got back to us. And so our, our plan B was then to go to the, the high school. Uh, they have a really uh, nice large parking lot. And so we contacted uh, the, the superintendent he was excited about it uh, and gave us approval to, to use the high school parking lot. We contacted the mayor and said, this is what we're, we're wanting to do. He was on board with it. Uh, and then we also contacted the police station and said, hey, this is what we're wanting to do. And, and so we hired them to do traffic and they were behind it. Uh, and so we ended up with six churches in our community coming together and, and planning uh, this event, and uh, we had about 380 cars there uh, with potentially anywhere from 700 to 1400 people, uh, depending on how many people were in the cars. And, uh, and so we had a, uh, I, I knew a friend who had a flatbed trailer on their farm. They brought it to the parking lot. We put in another stage on top of that, pulled resources and musicians from different churches. The sermon um, uh, and so it just really came together. It was just a really positive experience for our community. Um, uh, the newspaper came and also gave us uh, some publicity. Uh, and uh, it just was a, a great time. People really appreciated it. We did it on FaceTime, uh, Facebook Live. And uh, it just, uh, just came together really well. We had people holding signs up as they came in, smiling and waving. We went over the top to make sure everybody that was uh, off, you know, out of their cars, uh, had the masks on, gloves on, uh, and we gave instruction, everybody, please stay in your car. We're sorry there's no restrooms available. Keep your windows up. And, uh, and as far as I could tell from where I was at, uh, uh, everybody did that and, uh, and everybody appreciated the, the community aspect of it. And so my hope and prayer is that this will be the beginning of some interdenominational uh, worship in our community uh, in getting the, the news of Jesus Christ out. How did they hear the service? What was the technology? Yeah, um, that was uh, the one of the technology pieces was the, the gentleman at the very beginning was researching how to do a, a, a very localized uh, radio broadcast. And so if you were within probably a half a mile of the parking lot, uh, and you were able to choose the channel, uh, we were able to cha choose an unused channel of 105.5 FM. And, and so everybody was in their cars listening through the radio. 
we did have a few speakers in the parking lot so that we could hear because uh, we weren't in our cars but uh, it was it was going live through the, the radios uh, in the cars interesting uh, let's let's talk about uh, some other things that we've done that have worked well what's what's been the the best practice that you've done that you say you know this this is something that i i think we we did well it worked well and i and we're continuing to do what's the best thing you've got um, for me in student ministry i've been doing uh, zoom meetings like this um, the the first meeting went really well they were all excited about it intrigued by it and they actually all paid attention well uh, week two did not go so well uh, because parents were then bringing them their dinner, uh, extra background noise. I had to mute everybody on the screen and, and say, hey, I'm going to do a talk uh, and then raise your hand and I'll call on you. And then you unmute yourself because it was just way uh, too much stimulus and noise. Uh, and then uh, the last couple of weeks since then, it's gone much better. Uh, we've even started out with games with the students. Uh, I did scavenger hunts, quizzes, and then whoever wins, uh, I, I send them a Hershey bar in the mail. It cost me a dollar fifty to send the handy Hershey bar in the mail, but they still win a prize, uh, and so they're all over that. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, scavenger hunts in their home. They had twenty seconds to run and find a certain object and show it to me on the screen. Uh, if they got it in the twenty seconds, they got a point and. Uh, uh, even with the virtual backgrounds uh, in the Zoom meetings that, that you can do. Uh, they had to, to guess and be the first one to chat and write in the correct answer of, you know, the famous background, you know, the Inca Maya Indians ruins and, you know, Paris or the Grand Canyon. And, and so we had some fun with it to, to try to uh, do some of our normal stuff. But that was that was huge, just being able to have that connection and talk to each other. And then we'd hang out after the lesson. And hey, anybody got anything to talk about? We still pray for each other. Students still pray. And so that's been a, a great thing, but it, it still isn't the same as, as face-to-face. So what's been the best thing that you guys have done that's worked well for you? Um, uh, like, we, we're trying to engage people. Um, and one of the ways that we can do that now that, you know, the technology allows us to do is that, like, uh, we did uh, we did readings at one point for one of our services for the Good Friday service, and we just had people take their phones and record themselves, um, and then compiled them all, put them all together, made a video. Um, all our uh, all our our kids uh, leaders and teachers uh, held up signs and took pictures of themselves and put all those together in one big collage, just to say hey to the kids and uh, those kind. Of things that you knew, you know, that would be uh, hard to do on stage or anything. We can actually do a lot easier through this medium. Um, and so uh, I think that's worked really well. Um, I think, I think also one of the things that I enjoy, because one of, one of my, my parts of this thing is the moderation of all the different online formats during the service. And so just finding ways to engage people in the service beyond just watching it um we took our our communication card which is something we have people sign up and fill out every week we made that a digital form um we gave them 
resources throughout the service. I'm, I'm dropping links into all the different chats to let them be able to grab that stuff and be able to use it throughout the week. Um, so it's just that, that little step that, you know, there, there's a way to connect more into this service. There's a way to connect more with these people during this time uh, that can carry on. And so uh, they can fill out prayer requests and stuff and we'll, we'll engage with those throughout the week. We'll actually email them back, say, Hey, we've been praying for this. We hope everything's going well. Uh, so those kinds of ways of just extra touches, you know, Jonathan, what about you? I'm kind of down to the last minute or two I've got, but what's, what's worked well for you or what do you, you think will work well? I'm not at a place where I can tell you what's working well. Um, Understood. Like I said, we're, we're, I'm, I'm trying, I'm wrestling with our tendency at our, at our church to deal with just whatever crisis is in front of us. And so it's, just that so it's making sure like are people even going to be like is the live stream even going to go up is it going to be glitchy stuff like that so we haven't even had a chance to sit sit down and say forget what's happening six inches in front of our nose what's going on six miles down the road um and until like so i right now it's it's hard to gauge because our point of view even isn't even that far enough down the road to even say if it's doing well or not which is kind of frustrating. Uh, you're doing something uh, that you announced, I think, yesterday, that after services, uh, going forward, you're going to open up a Zoom room so people can come in and chat with each other. What you're going to do? Kind of a discussion after the service idea? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's pretty much it. I mean, we haven't done it yet, so I can't tell you what that's, that's like, but that's the idea. Um, it's not even mine. It, I stole it from somebody. Maybe that's the best thing I can say is fine. If you see somebody doing something that's good, give it a shot. Yep. Um, you know, good leaders will borrow things. Great ones steal. So, yeah. <laughs> and, there, and there's so many re people that are, that are giving out some free resources too, uh, yeah. for parents and children. And, you know, I, one of the resources yeah. I use with my parents is, is a ministry called ministry to parents. And they send me some resources that I can pass on uh, to my parents, and it makes me look great. <laughs> um, one other thing that I, I know uh, in our children's ministry, our children's pastor has done a phenomenal job. She has set up uh, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m., a different person in the congregation, a youth, uh, reads stories to the preschoolers. Um, and then she has a, a red team and a blue team, and they have uh, two other times that they get together throughout the, uh, throughout the week, uh, doing some, some lessons. And then they're, they're all still posted online so that they can watch them later if they couldn't join it live. And so that's been going really well. Uh, and then she's also gotten together with the moms and there's a, a, a coffee time with moms to help them decompress with all the stuff that you guys are doing with small kids at home uh, and just helping to process that, process that to give them a break. And, and that's going really well. Well, I hope these things have been helpful. You know, there, we didn't get a chance to talk about all the things we've done that have failed, and those things are large. There's a legion of those. But that's the, that's the situation we're in today. We do things, we're at a greater risk station. We do things because we have to try things. And we're more willing to risk failure than we are typically on 
<clears throat> on Sunday mornings where we, I try to rehearse the, the life out of it, <clears throat> making sure that it's, it's what it's supposed to be. In these kind of situations, we're all trying to figure out what to do and how to do it, and we're risking. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I think people are at least appreciative of the fact that we're trying. We're trying to figure out how to do whatever it is that we need to do. Well, hey, our what time is up, so I, 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 I'd love to continue this and, and appreciate this. So uh, I want to thank my sons for spending these few moments together. It's been, it's been fun and it's been instructive. And I hope these things are helpful as we do ministry in a pandemic going forward, because I have the sense that this is not something that's going to end anytime soon. Thanks for joining. Bless you. Have a great time.